Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Wonderful. Please can we draw those conversations to a close. You can still uh, send some messages in. That's absolutely fine. Um, There's plenty on the screen. There's other things uh, that have not quite made it to the screen yet, but are still coming through. Um, So there's still time to send your messages in. Thank you so much for kind of engaging with this, for joining in, for all of the kind of wisdom that's in this room and the fact that you're willing to share and join in and and send some of that in. And some of it is amazing. And we'll get to that shortly. Um, I've been asked to just share for 10 minutes, which for me means 30. not really. Uh, well, maybe. Um, just for 10 minutes, uh, just to share some of my thoughts and reflections, mainly so that Alyssa has time to compile it all together and we've got something to talk about afterwards. Um, otherwise, we're just responding to stuff that is just coming in instantly. So um, I'm just going to share three or four uh, ideas or thoughts or things that struck me as I read through these passages this week. And, you know, we spent quite a bit of time. Uh, when you work for a church, you spend quite a bit of time with the nativity story in December. Um, so lots of it's just settled on my heart, and I've heard the stories and again and again and again. I went to three carol services last week, so I heard the story again and again and again. Um, so we've got all of that. So I'm just going to share a few just really simple thoughts in a way. Um, and some of them would be like a little theological reflection and some of it might be more practical and challenging to me and inspiring and hopefully for you as well. So uh, the first one is I just want to talk about these, these magi, okay? Um, they're slightly mysterious, aren't they? These, these wise men, as we call them, or sometimes we call them kings. If you listen to the right songs, you'll hear about three kings. That's because of Isaiah 60, which you can look up another time and and work out why they're called kings. Um, But they're in Matthew chapter 2, and there's a few things, and most of you will already know this, but just for the sake of anyone who doesn't, uh, they were not there the day that Jesus was born, okay? They did not visit a stable. They went to a house. Uh, Jesus might have been up to two years old by the time they visited, so he was possibly toddling around rather than younger, which is why Herod had all the children under two killed. Um, And there is no record of there being three of them, okay? So that's just to clarify that there's just three gifts. Um, They might have brought... They brought these three gifts. There might have been 20 of them. Who knows? But they only brought three gifts. A bit rude, maybe, but... um, so they brought these gifts. Uh, so, but our, our nativity plays, our Christmas cards, our carols, all give us this kind of impression of who these wise men are. Um, but what they really were, were, and this is hard to, hard to say, astrologers and astronomers. <laughs> okay, so they read the signs of the sky. They looked up to the sky at night and they looked at the stars and the planets moving around, and then what they decided, they they determined that they determined what was happening on Earth, and that it was meaningful and important, what was happening in the skies, almost with the the angels up, up above, if you like, meant that something significant was happening on the Earth. And so they um, found this star, and I don't know, one of the questions that came in was, how do they know it was the star of the Messiah? It, it doesn't say, but it does say that they were quite wise. Um, So I don't really know why they do that um, or how they know that, but it caught their attention enough that they didn't just think, I'm going to look at that star and write it down. Instead, they decided to follow it. 
they went to find this star and they believed this star was going to lead them to the king of the Jews. It caught their attention, so they tracked this journey. They set off, the, you know, it's a big mission. It's not like they can get on a plane and follow a star. You know, they had to travel. They got all of their stuff together and they followed it across countries. But what, what I really want to think about this evening, um, in terms of this, the Magi, is not necessarily the Magi, although we cleared a few things up, but it is the star. Because the star, just like the Magi, goes on a journey. And I don't know if you noticed that. The, the, the star goes on a journey. And what we're going to do, just for a couple of minutes, is follow the progress of the star, where it goes to and where it ends up. Okay? Because if you notice, it doesn't go to Bethlehem. It doesn't go to Bethlehem at the beginning. That's not where it starts. It starts by going to Jerusalem. And the Magi, they follow it, to Jerusalem, okay? So, so this star, and, and I think it's deliberate, Matthew has put this in for us to follow. Um, so he's, he's saying, the star went to Jerusalem, the Magi, they then went to Jerusalem because they are looking for the king of the Jews. Now, when they get to Jerusalem, guess who they talk to? The king of the Jews, okay? And he, they're looking for the king of the Jews. They found the king of the Jews, but also, it's not, it's not who they're looking for, because they say the one born the king of the Jews, and Herod wasn't born king of the Jews. And so clearly that's, that's not quite right. And then what they want to do when they get to the king of the Jews is they want to worship. Now, the other thing that's in Jerusalem, many of you will know, is the temple. And when you go to the temple, you worship the king of the Jews, Yeah? Because you go to worship Yahweh. Yahweh lives and dwells in the temple. And so I think the way that Matthew is trying to help us to follow this star is saying you go to Jerusalem and typically there you find the king of the Jews and there you find the king that you worship. And the Magi found neither. Despite that being where you would find the king of the Jews and where you would find the king you would worship. And I think there's something there about the fact that that star then moves because it's saying to us that the king of the Jews is no longer in Jerusalem and the way and the one that we worship is no longer in the temple. The spiritual home of the Israelites is no longer in Jerusalem. The king that directs and rules over God's people is no longer living in Jerusalem. Instead, the star goes to Bethlehem and rests upon the house of a baby, a baby called Jesus. And it is in Jesus that we find a new king, a king of all of God's people who will rule and reign over all of them. And then secondly, in him, and he goes on to say this in his life, we find the new temple, the one that we come to worship through. If you want to worship God as these magi did, and they got there and they worshiped, they hailed him the king of the Jews, and then they worshipped. They found the one they were looking for. They found the new king, and they found the new place to worship. And the new place to worship was the feet of Jesus. And so for me, I, I want to follow that star. And I think Matthew leads the star to Jerusalem on purpose to say that the place that we worship and the one that is the king is changing. And it sets the scene for the whole book because you see the power shift 
before Jesus gets enthroned as king of the Jews, the, the title above his head on his crucifixion. He becomes the king of the Jews, and he talks about being the temple. So that's, that's my first thought, and that's good news for us because, um, because we can worship Jesus wherever we are, um, and we, we can come to him as God's people, and we can worship God and find him and meet with him through Jesus, our king. The second one, actually lots of you picked up on this through your thoughts, through your reflections that you sent in, is simply, and this one's a bit easier to track and follow, so sorry if you've been following a star and it's boggled your mind a little bit. Uh, This one's really simply obedience. Some of you here, and, and I was, just struck by obedience running all the way through this story. You've got Mary being told that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit and she's just got to go with it. She does question it, and it does say she's greatly troubled, fortunately, and she's human. Um, And she asks some questions, but ultimately she said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Then you've got Joseph, who's planning to divorce her, call off the engagement, and then God God meets him in, I think it said on the screen, three dreams, and convinces him. And the first dream is just, it's my, it's my son. You, you should marry her still. You should go for it. And he, despite all improbability, just says, yeah, okay, God, I'll do it. Like, that's crazy. The shepherds are told to go and visit a random place, a random manger. And so they just drop everything and they go. And the wise men, they follow a star. They go, they're obedient. And then they're warned in a dream not to go the same way back and not to go via Herod. And they just go back a different way they just do what God says and and if you take nothing else from this evening there's something really powerful in just saying I'm not in charge God your will be done and Jesus taught us that throughout his life through the through the Lord's prayer let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and then he prays it himself in the garden of Gethsemane yet not what I want but what you want So this sense of obedience just runs all the way through all of the characters that come through in this nativity. And then, and this one, this one's a little bit niche, a little bit like obscure. Um, And maybe it's because I'm a youth worker that I thought of this and it terrifies the life out of me because God in the Christmas story, and I'm sorry if I'm going to offend anyone in here, God chose to become dependent on a teenage girl. Now, I went to Tanzania in the summer with a bunch of teenage girls, and there is no way (laughs) I want to be dependent on them. They can't get up on time. They don't know where they need to be, when they need to be. They can't, uh, you know, sometimes it's beyond teenager as well. But they they can't, like, I'm seeing Zoe laugh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like, actually, I, I can't, I don't want to become dependent on a teenage girl. That's terrifying. But God chose, through Jesus, to become dependent on Mary. Fully and totally dependent. We think of God as independent, as strong, as powerful, as great, as good, as glory, and powerful, and all of those things. And what he chose to do in the Christmas story was become dependent on a teenage girl. And... Like that says a huge amount about who God is. Firstly, it just blows my mind that God would do that. Secondly, I think it shows us that God is a God who doesn't just want to rule with an iron fist 
and say, have it my way. This is what I'm doing. You must do this this way. He says, I'm going to come and join you in your mess. I'm going to come and become one of you. I'm going to become a dirt person, someone born of earth, born of flesh, live through just the same experience that we all have. And God wants to do that. And, and you know, I haven't got any great application from that except that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, God just became dependent, the crazy God that he is, <laughs> on a teenage girl. And that just blows my mind and makes me think, wow, how did he do that? Why did he do that? Um, and I think it reflects something of his character of wanting to come down and be with us and be like us and go through the same experiences, uh, experiences as us. So those are my kind of three reflections. Um, I'm going to invite Alyssa up. Alyssa's going to come up and we're just going to chat through. Oh, you've got your laptop. Excellent. Do you want the... Yeah. Um, and we, like, there were so many good things. Uh, you might need to turn your screen brightness up. I'm going to. Give me a second. Can't read any of that. Um, I'd like to say as well, um, I wouldn't want to be a dependent on a teenage boy. I just feel like we need to balance that gender for a second um, and just say that. Cause I just felt there was a lot of women bashing there. No, no, I agree. So, um, I agree. Yeah, I just, just wouldn't I want clear. to be a dependent on a teenager. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, we all struggle um, to be dependent on anyone, don't that is, we? That is true. <laughs> yeah, um, but I hear you. Yeah, yeah no, thanks. Yeah. Um, Phil, could we get the web page? Oh, oh he's one step ahead of me. It's Thank there. you. Um, do you keep putting your texts in? They won't appear on the screen now because I've been the one like frantically putting them on um, but do keep texting them and Dan and I will be able to see them um, so one thing that, one thing that came out quite a lot was around kind of the supernatural and the way that God kind of reveals himself throughout this passage and um, particularly around the fact that you know we the shepherds they see all these angels and and God speaks to people through dreams uh, which is really interesting so uh, there was one comment where is it where's the angel one da, da, da. I can't find it now, but there's someone, somebody put, oh, here we go. Uh, there were a lot of angels. We'd like more now. Are there any, Dan? Are there any? Are there any? Uh, yes, <laughs> there are angels. Um, yeah, I mean, it's tricky. There's so many stories, especially around the nativity, of God's messengers bringing uh, an important message. I think there's something, um, if you think about the, the historical context, what you've got here is the heralding of a new king, and they would always send ahead messengers to say the new king is coming, the new king is coming. And I think what's happening here is the, the angelic world is heralding a new king coming so that you can prepare the way for them. And so I think there's something in the narrative about a, a heralding of like prepare, like there, there's angels coming, there, there's angels coming because mm -hmm. there's a king on the way. Um, just like Caesar would do the same and all of that would happen. I think as well there's something to be said about the fact that like you can't really ignore an angel. Um, like I don't know if those of you who are like chronically online like I am, there's kind of that joke about what a biblically accurate angel is and they've got like 25 eyes and all these sorts of weird things and they, they are quite terrifying. And I feel like it's impossible to ignore or miss an angel. Um, and I wonder if, if that is what God is doing here. Is he saying, like, this is something that you can't ignore. Like, you need to wake up and pay attention to it. And so I'm going to, like, fill the skies with all of these crazy heavenly beings so you can't miss it, no matter what you can do. Uh, I would say it would be pretty cool to see more angels, though, wouldn't it? It would be cool <laughs> to see more angels. Yeah. Um, um, hands up if you'd like more angels. Oh, there you go. Seen, seen and heard angels in this very church. You've heard them. They joined in the worship. Oh. They're going to say, 
there we go. I mean, yeah, I like angels do exist, and you know, we hear stories like that um, of going around. But I think I think it's also important to say that like this was a very specific point in time, and like you said, like God was making a very big deal out of this. It can't be missed. So, but yeah. maybe our eyes need to be a bit more open maybe. to what's going on in the spiritual world. I think um, that's the case all the time. Be, oh, yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to yeah. go for the next one? What's the can, next one? You can. You can. Um, is that angles or angels? Oh, who knows? Angles. Uh, there's different angles to the story. Like Luke focuses on the shepherds, um, and I think Luke focuses on Mary, mm-hmm. um, whereas uh, Matthew looks more at Joseph and at the Magi and Herod. Why? Why are there different angles going on here? So, uh, so we, the thing we need to remember when we read the Gospels is that each of the different Gospel authors has almost like a different agenda. Like they're all trying to make the same point. They're all trying to say, Jesus is the Son of God. He's the sent one from God. Like you need to pay attention to him. He's important. But each of the four Gospel writers have something slightly different they're trying to do with each one. Um, so Luke is really keen to show the Romans at the time that, that Jesus is for everybody. He's not a threat to the authority. Um, but Jesus and his rule and his reign is, is for everybody. It's, it's a universal thing. And so that's why we see Luke focus more on, on the shepherds in his narrative, because Luke is saying, hey, like these are the people, these, these nobodies on a hill, these people who just live on the outside skirts of society, actually they're the people who were the first people to find out, like not the high and mighty rulers, but actually these little shepherds who were on a hill who didn't like really mean anything to society. And likewise, Matthew, Matthew is trying to make the point that he's saying, right, Jesus is the one that the Jewish people have been waiting for. Like, he is the promised king. He is the one that everyone's waiting for. And so hence, as Dan was saying, we see a focus on the Magi, because they're the ones who come and ask where the king of the Jews is and all that sort of thing. And so Matthew is clearly saying in his gospel, this guy is the guy, the ruler, the future ruler, the king of the Jews. And so that's why we see that difference, because the gospel writers are saying the same thing, but slightly, in slightly different ways. Does that make sense? I'm seeing some nods. That's Great. good. It makes sense to me. Thanks. I'm glad, Thanks, Dan. Alyssa. Thank you. Um, there were a couple of comments, and these are hard, and we're not going to just ignore them, um, and neither are we going to be able to explain them. Um, but there's a couple of comments in there about uh, death of baby boys um, and how trauma... Like, you don't see that in your nativity plays, do you? Um, how all the boys on the two in Bethlehem um, were, were murdered by Herod. Like, that's, like, it's horrific, isn't it? And we like to push that bit to the side and focus on the shepherds and put tea towels on our heads and, you know, all of those kind of things. And, but it's a very real part of the story. Um, and, and I don't, I almost just want to name it and say it's there, it's real, and it's hard. Um, just to offer, I guess, some something from there and Alyssa you might have something different um, but I think when you read the beginning of uh, Matthew uh, so many of you will know that the core to the Jewish story if you like is Exodus so where the, the uh, Israelites left Egypt yeah because Pharaoh was being nasty and enslaving them one of the things that happens at the beginning of Matthew is that you see that outplayed again um, and so what you see here because Pharaoh killed all the baby boys by chucking him in the river. And what it's saying here is that Herod has become like Pharaoh. The king of the Jews has become like Pharaoh, so much so that the real king, your new Moses, if you like, the Jesus, has to actually escape to Egypt. And so that's what we read about, how he escapes to Egypt, not just 
um, to, to escape from Pharaoh because all the baby boys are being killed. And I think there's something, it's trying to call us back to Exodus. And I'm not saying that, therefore, oh, God let it happen and that's great because all the boys are, you know, I'm not saying that God made all the boys die um, because it's really hard to reconcile it all. But narratively, it wants us to see that Israel was in such a mess spiritually that it become like Egypt. It become like Pharaoh, who was going around killing the baby boys to the point where God's people had to leave, um, only to then come back later. And so I, I, I don't know if you have anything about, you know, because it's quite traumatic, it isn't is it? It is quite traumatic. Um, no, I, I, think, I think that sums up quite nicely. You say we don't act out in nativities, but if you've seen the film Nativity, like there's a bit where the private school act it out and it's horrible and it's like all these kids like acting out and that's the joke of it. Um, so if you see the film Nativity, it's a great film apart from that. Um, but that's kind of the joke in this, in, in the film Nativity is that actually this is a part of the Nativity story that we, we don't look at a lot and actually, um, and there's good reason for that as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know, do we have anything else that's worth? Let me have a look if anything, I don't think any new texts have come in, no. Any, any last thoughts, Dan? No, I've shared all of my You've thoughts. You've shared all of your thoughts. I've run out of thoughts. Uh, well, if, yeah. you, if you have any last thoughts, quickly um, text them in now. Um, I'll share one thing that I, I was surprised by. And um, what I find baffling is when in Luke, when the shepherds come and uh, the angels all appear, there's a phrase that's used that says heavenly host. Um, and in the Greek, that is the only occurrence of that phrase. We don't see that phrase in anywhere else in the Gospels. Luke is the only person that uses that phrase, heavenly host. Like, what is that? Like, what is the heavenly host? And like, just how mind-blowingly baffling would it have been just for the shepherds, these people who live on a hill, who they just look at sheep all the time. That's all they look at. And then suddenly, like, their minds are blown because they can basically see heaven. Like, they can see all of these heavenly beings that they would have never seen before. Like, I, that would have just freaked me out if I was a shepherd. Like, and even I if you just, weren't a shepherd. Even if I wasn't a shepherd, it would still freak me out. Um, but that just blew my mind if, like, God chooses to reveal himself in this hugely dramatic way to just these just incredibly unimportant people in society, which, which I really love um, and really struck me. Great. Great. Um, so there's not... Sorry, have you got more? No, go, 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 go. Almost there's not loads of like, go away and do this tomorrow when you get to work kind of stuff this evening. It's just let's, let's actually engage with this text rather than just remember the nativity stories and plays that we've had and things like that. Actually, let's see what was actually going on. And, and have a fresh revelation, hopefully, of who Jesus was. So, and I think as well that, that kind of stirs us up to greater awe and, and wonder. And I think sometimes we become so familiar with the nativity story through not acting it out and all this sort of thing that we, we lose our wonder and we lose our awe at what, what God has done in bringing Jesus in this way um, and the way he reveals himself through it. And so on that, um, we are going to sing a song together um, in response. Uh, so I'm going to invite the band up. And if you're able, can I invite you um, to stand as well? Why don't you think um, in your mind about one thing from the passage, one thing that has jumped out to you, one thought, just something that kind of stirs up that feeling of, of awe and wonder inside you. That feeling of Wow, God, aren't you amazing? Whether it be the way that God 
revealed himself through all of these crazy heavenly beings, the fact that God would become dependent on a teenage girl, the obedience of the characters we see throughout. Whatever it might be, why not fix your eyes on that for a second and think about that? Allow yourself to be drawn afresh into the, the awe and the wonder of the nativity story, of the Christmas story. Jesus, we thank you that this is your story, that you are, you are a God who rules with an iron fist, but you became like us. You chose to enter into our experience, into our world, to know us personally. God, would you renew our sense of wonder, renew our sense of awe, Lord, where we might have become jaded and familiar. Jesus, by your spirit, would you come and open our eyes afresh to you, to your power, to your story. And would you be with us now as we worship you? In your name, amen.